Well, we've been talking about Elijah for the last couple of weeks, and I want to talk about him again. Actually, I had heard in my spirit two weeks ago, so this is Sunday number three, that these are the days of Elijah, and I know that that line has gone around the church for many times, has been spoken many times, but there was a few confirmations that I didn't ask for, and uh, just kind of connecting us and directing us to Elijah for this time. And uh, I spoke last week in 1 Kings chapter 17, where Elijah had to learn to trust and rely on God. We read that Elijah was this mighty man, and he did this incredible act in 1 Kings 18, which we're going to look at in a moment. But for three and a half years, he lived under the oppression that was in the earth of the time. Now, God sustained him. We looked at it, right? God took care of him, took care of the widow of Zarephath, and together, actually, they were taken care of. But nonetheless, if you went outside their doors and you looked at the surrounding, you would see the oppression, the heaviness, the darkness, even the dryness, right? We have the metaphor that when we get far from God, what do we call that? I'm getting dry, right? Whoever says that, Lord, I'm dry, we need to get back into that, into the spirit, right? We know what that means. I need to get back in your word. I need to spend some time with you because I just feel dry. I feel like I'm drying up, right? And just that, actually, that picture that I just prayed, like I always pray, the clay, right? Clay gets dry. It cracks. It breaks. doesn't work very well. We add the moisture back to the clay before it's too late. And uh, he, the master potter can actually recreate that clay into any shape he wants with a little bit of moisture. So I believe that the... Uh, the, the surrounding earth right now is experiencing the dryness. It's the, really the absence of the presence of God. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not in the earth, right? Because Elijah and the widow experienced God, didn't they? And there were others that we don't read about, and we know that because Elijah ends up encountering some other prophets that had obviously endured during the time of Ahab and Jezebel, we just don't read about their whole story here in 1 Kings. So God had taken care of his people. Amen. And God's going to take care of us. I want you to understand that. And in fact, I want you to say that out loud. God is going to take care of us. That doesn't matter what happens in the earth. It doesn't matter what happens in an election. I mean, we pray certain ways, right? And we keep praying and we pray for God's protection and his grace and his mercy over this nation. But ultimately, right, when the days... The day is past, and here we are, and it's 2021, and it's July, and about to turn into month eight of 2021. Uh, uh, we, we must move on, set our eyes back on Christ, right? Set our eyes on Him and focus on Him and know that, that time is ticking away, that the timeline of the earth is ticking away, and that we must be focused on Him. Amen. And we're going to continue to pray for this nation. We're going to continue to pray for miracles and a turnaround in the natural. But nonetheless, even if the earth, even if America says, God, we don't want you back, we know that we have a heavenly homeland. We have an internal inheritance, right? It's our job to keep praying until the end. You know what a martyr is? A martyr is someone who refused to bow. Was the martyr, did the martyr fail? In the natural, if the world was to view the martyr, did the martyr fail? Absolutely. What a waste. You died for nothing because nothing's changed. But in God's kingdom, it's just the opposite, isn't it? 
So it's our job to continue to pray, no matter, it's not my pessimism, but no matter what we see or happens, we are not failing, we have not failed, if we stay true to what God has asked us to do, and we keep praying and keep declaring and keep believing that God can and will change this nation. If the world rejects him, and if America rejects him ultimately, then we're just fulfilling the revelation timeline, and we're there, right? If it doesn't happen, we're not there yet, and we have some more time to do what? To be blessed and prosperous or to reach this world for him? And that's what we must remember right now. That's what the Lord is revealing to us. Actually, in fact, someone yesterday to, uh, said to me, if the world doesn't recognize that God is in this moment, then I don't think anything will wake them up. Came out of nowhere. This man just walked up to me at the wedding and just started talking, and he said, this moment. Then what will? If they don't recognize this, then nothing will wake us up. I want you to understand this, and, and we must be reminded that we are messengers, comma, we are ambassadors, right? And we are conduits. Everybody know what a conduit is? Conduit is, you know, here's the electricity, and here's where I need to get the electricity to. <laughs> conduit, come on, John, and Jimmy, electricians. The conduit, right, is what carries, gets the electricity from here to here, right? We are conduits of God's glory. That is our purpose in this earth. Because we've already been saved. We already are seated on the throne. I know our minds don't understand that, and I say it constantly, just reminding us of how amazing that is. But present tense. I'm not talking about you will die and sit with Christ one day. That's not accurate. Your body will die and be, you know, remade into this amazing new body, and we're all thankful for that. But present tense, my Bible says I am already seated with Christ. Why am I still here? And it is because God has designed the system, started right back with the 12 disciples, and then he created the church system, which was so that God's glory in heaven would come through humans. Jesus was the first, paving the way. I am the way, not just the way to heaven, but I'm the way to follow. I am the example. Let God's glory into you right? Jesus went into the baptism, right? We all, it's part of our salvation process, the baptism receiving of the Holy Spirit, which is God's glory. It's the unseen, which comes into us, and then we give that out to this world. That is our job here. The only reason why we don't get saved and then just get teleported up to heaven, beamed up, is because God is using us to reflect his glory here on the earth. And I'm just reminded of that today. Um, I didn't even expect, I knew that I was going to speak on, on 1 Kings 18 from two weeks ago, but I didn't even expect the level. And in fact, it's even still unfolding this morning, to be perfectly honest, because the, the Lord, I was just sitting, even just reviewing and pulling some things together like I always do on Sunday morning. I go back into my office and look through everything. Is there Lord, is there more or something less, whatever you want to say? And I was just having this incredible experience with God today. I just feel like I, I hate to say, use like, uh, 
hyper Christianity words, but I was like stepped into like a cloud of God's glory that I didn't go looking for or intend to. I wasn't even, I just said, Lord, your word says, if we seek you, we will find you. That was my prayer. Very simple word, prayer. And I just feel like the Lord, I, I don't even, I just know that revelation is in here, but I don't even know the fullness of what that is yet. I just know that revelation is coming into us. And so it's because the Lord started to remind me today, and we have so many blessings, and we have these families that God has given us, right, to raise up and to love, and he gives us a home, and he gives us a, a purpose in the earth, you know, as far as like, you know, things to do, but in the earth specifically, but ultimately, you know, all, all of that is for God's glory. And what he reminded me of today is that every single thing, even evil things that we do not understand, every single one, it's just a matter of time, will end up giving God glory. Some things are immediate that we see in, in instantly, and some things may take time, but even Satan, listen to this, Satan entered Judas, one of the most evil moments in the history of time, where Satan enters a man and denies Christ to condemn him to the cross, and yet it was for God's glory. Amen. Isn't that incredible? I know it's like, that's like fundamentals, ABCs of Christianity, but we should be reminded that even the most evil, heinous, lying, deceitful acts in the earth, every single thing, God will not be mocked, Every single word is heard, every single thing he has seen, every injustice that we don't understand and we cry out, God, will you act? Won't you act? Aren't you going to do something about this or that? And the Lord has not been unaware. The Lord is not sleeping on his throne. He is not far. We just don't understand it yet. There is something that is happening within the grave, so to speak, for three days. And there is a glory that is about to come forth. Amen. We must carry God's glory into the earth for the people around us to see. I want to read a chunk from... 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18, verse 1 says, Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. Now, what we have here, again, some reviewing from 1 Kings 17. Now here in the first two verses of 18, the famine had... Now, if the Lord doesn't turn his hand, we already talked last week, even if people wanted to argue that does God judge or not judge anymore, there's no arguing. 1 Kings chapter 17, God was judging Israel. It's very clear. He says it. He does it. God allows it. In fact, James tells us that we don't read it in Kings, but James says that Elijah prayed for it not to rain. So this was God's hand. This was God's doing. 
But God is merciful, isn't he? Isn't he incredibly gracious and merciful that even when he judges, and we can go through all of history, we can go through our own lives, we can go through his word, he never judges forever. He's always trying to get us to turn, turn back. Please, I'm going to judge you. Why does a parent put a child in timeout or, God forbid, spank a child? I know that that's not allowed, and I'm not advocating that. Right, God forbid we would do something to, to teach a child something. What's it for? It's out of love and grace and mercy, isn't it? It doesn't look like grace and mercy during the process, does it? But it actually is because you're actually trying to teach the child that if you don't deal with these issues now as a child, when you become an adult, you'll be a murderer. And you're saying, how? All I said was, I hate you. And so they get their mouth washed out with soap. Yes, real soap. got real soap in my mouth. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't comfortable. And I didn't like it. And you might think that that's torture to a child and that's child abuse. But you know what? I deserved it. And I'm thankful for that. Because what it taught me was is you don't talk like that. Because what ends up happening is, is right out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what was it saying when I said, I hate you to my brother and I had to get my mouth washed out? What was it showing? It was showing that there was a seed in there that could grow into murder one day. And you say, no way. Go ask the murderers if they ever intended to murder when they were a child. Right? So we can see that God judges, but he tries to give us a chance to repent and to turn. He judges for a moment. He judges for a season. It's supposed to be a quick spanking. Right? It's not supposed to be a drawn-out thing. But if we keep fighting him and turning and fighting, right? who was the child that fought their parent the entire time? Why? Oh, just tell me why. Just get it over with, man. Just admit you did wrong. Said, why? What I do? What I do? What I do? You know what you did. Anyway... So God's about to relent, but he's like, but listen, I want to relent. And if I was to give a prophetic word to America, I want to give America another chance. But in, in order for me to do that, I need to deal with some things. If I'm going to give you another chance, then we can't just go on like normal. Because we'll just get back right back in this place. We're going to have to deal with some things. So you can apply this personally, and we can apply this as a prayer nationally. We need to ask the Lord to deal with the things that caused the issue in the first place. Amen. And the whole world, for that matter. And we know it's clear. The world, the modern Western world, and that's not just here, but that is a new, that's just an idea that, and that covers the whole world, that they have ignored God, right? Science has taken over, right? Science is the new God. Eventually, it'll be E.T., as strange as that is, but that's where science is heading because the deeper science goes, the more they learn that we're so incredibly created, so they'll just have to replace God with another God, which is exactly what my Bible says happened, right, five and 6,000 years ago, and round and round we go. Isn't that incredible? But so the Lord says, I'm about to, everybody say, soon. God's perspective of soon and our perspective of soon are different. So don't forget that. But he says in verse 17, Elijah comes on the scene here now and he's about to encounter Ahab and he says, it's really you, you troublemaker of Israel. And Elijah says, I've made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. And here's the exact 
We don't even need to assume why did God do what he did. He tells us exactly why they were in the, the place they were in. What was happening in this nation is clear. You have refused to obey the commands of the Lord. It's very obvious because the word tells me. I don't need to assume. The Bible says that God judged them because they refused to obey the commands of the Lord and they've worshipped the images of Baal instead. I was just meditating with the Lord and I had an incredible, simple definition of an idol. Baal was an idol. You know what an idol is? It's not just something that you make out of wood and metal and you sit before it and you worship and put incense in front of it. We have those too. Don't worry, we've got plenty of those. Right? Go to any health food store and you'll find the corner of those, right? Jeannie hates that corner. <laughs> but they are there, right? And you go to go, there's shops. When we were up in Lake George, there's entire shops devoted to all that new age garbage and all the idols, and they're all in there. But you know what an idol is, is really simple. It's Anything, everybody say anything that takes God's place. Anything. That means I need an answer. And as soon as we turn to anything, anyone other than God, we are actually in idol worship. I need comfort. I need peace. I need joy. I need hope. Those are all fruits of the Spirit. And as soon as we try to get those things from anything in this world... We have begun to worship. And then all we have to do then is just look at the pattern. We put those things in place of God, and what happens? The same exact thing that happens in every one of these stories. Their lives begin to spiral apart, right? So he says, now summon, verse 19, all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. And so Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. And then Elijah stood in front of them and said, and this is probably one of my favorite lines of the entire Bible. Sound like Jeannie right now. But this is definitely one of my favorite verses of the whole Bible because it is such a picture of the entire Bible. How much longer will you waver? hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, then just trust his word. Stop trying to micromanage him. Stop trying to reinterpret his word because times have changed. Stop trying to make God something that is easier to understand or easier to get people to follow. But if the Lord is God, follow him. And if you want the world, this is what God actually is saying to the world right now. Either choose me or choose the world. I'm tired of the in-between, the mixture. In fact, you know Babylon, and that's where eventually Revelation ends up. You know what Babylon, the, literally the name means is mixture. That's where it will go. We already have a word for the mixture that's growing. It's called chrislam. Now, that would have been some conspiracy theory 20 years ago. Now, that is an actual term. You guys know what Chrislam is? Chrislam is Christianity and Islam. It is an actual term. They've already met together. Some of the leaders of the world are meeting together, 
And, and, and it's also, the name is not in there, but it's involved, the Jews are involved in it as well. And then alt, it could even be this third temple could be the Chrislam temple, which will be the three big religions of the world blended together into a new religion. This is not conspiracy anymore. This is like, you know, now this is happening. And God is saying, if I'm God, then follow me. But if you want to interpret my word your way, and if you want to raise five different flags over your church today because you don't believe in the cross of Christ alone, then so be it. Then go do that because I'm tired. I said last week, God's tired of the bull, and he's going to deal with the bull. I know that's a little bit uh, edgy, but that's the truth. That's the truth here. That's what Baal is. Baal's that bull god. He was the bull. And he says, the people were completely silent. You know, the people don't know yet. They don't know what to think. Because the people are sheep. They're followers. It's going to take those that know God to stand up for God. It's going to take someone, and it might get some hatred. You might get some flack. You might get kicked off of Facebook just for telling the truth. That's what's happening. Just heard another guy yesterday. I don't even do Facebook. My name's on there with Dawn. You might think I see your stuff, but I don't. My name's just connected. It's just connected to Dawn's. So don't get offended if I don't like or, you know, say anything to you. It wasn't me. But uh, a guy said yesterday, I just I happened to hear it. It's funny. The Lord lets me hear things because it's all, all part of things that he's doing and saying. And I just heard it just out of nowhere. And he goes, I wish I knew what it was like to be on Facebook. And he was joking, and then I, I heard him say he got, he got banned. I don't know if it's permanently or for a time, for something he posted. I guarantee he didn't post something about going to a party with women and doing drugs, because that'd be fine, right? They don't get kicked off for that. You can just use your imagination what he got kicked off for. But anyway, that's the world, and that might be what it is. And Jesus said, if they hated me, don't be surprised. We need to stop trying to get the world to love us. I know that sounds strange. Listen, God told us to love them. God loves us. What did we do? What's the Bible say? God loved us. He was so loved the world, he sent his only son, right? Jesus on the cross, and Jesus says, forgive them. He's forgiving them, even though they're crucifying them. And the word says that he loved us while we were still sinners. That means that he loved us we hated him. That means that it's our job to love the world, but it's not our job to try to get the world to love us. And what's happened is there's been this turn, and the church is so obsessed with feeling good about the world's approval, Hollywood's approval. If I hear one more person say, oh, he's a Christian? I didn't know that that baseball, football player is a Christian. Like, so, like, that guy's God. The fact that he says he's a Christian, it's like, whoa, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. They feel so cool that somebody famous is a Christian and they're a Christian. We need to stop trying to find our approval and, 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 and suddenly feel satisfied and excited because somebody who's famous is a Christian. Praise God that they are. But that's not it. Amen? We need to not be afraid 
of the gospel any longer. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to go out there, and I saw a photo. This does not work. I saw this on Google News this week. You ready? A guy walked the beach with a sign that says something to the tune of the Bible says that women should dress modestly. And so a woman took a photo of him, and it became this really funny TMZ thing. And you know what? I don't blame her for that because that's not the way to do it. You don't walk the beach with women in bikinis telling them that they shouldn't be in one. That's not going to win anybody. Amen? We need to instead actually give them a reason to put on some modest clothing. We're not giving them any reason to want to come into our church. They'd rather be on the beach. So to try to go there and tell them what they're doing wrong instead of showing them the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ is the whole problem. So both spectrums. We either welcome everybody and just say anything goes, right? We're going to have 19 different flags before we know it waving in front of churches. We just, and you don't have to do anything, you don't have to change whatever, and we're not going to talk about Jesus because that's offensive too. And then you got the other side. We're going to go on the beaches and, show, and tell them that the, the clothes they're wearing is wrong. We need a move of the Spirit of God. Elijah did not, and that's what we're about to see, Elijah did not deal in the natural and in the flesh. He did not try to win the approval of Ahab or the people. Remember, that's what I was trying to say, my whole little tangent there. I was trying to say is the people were silent because the people are sheep. It's going to take us to stand up for what's right and to stand up for truth and to be unashamed. And that's the time that we're in. It's a time where we've learned to trust in God like he did. We've learned to rely on God and on him alone. Our idols, are there is no room for them in our lives. And finally, we come here and we say, how much longer? And they're silent. And he says, Elijah said to them, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now, I thought this was very significant because, you know, so many times uh, if you look at us as believers and you look at the world, we're grossly outnumbered. Right now, our opinions and our faith is grossly outnumbered in this nation, isn't it? You can literally get on social media, going there again, you can post anything about really any God in the world except Jesus. I thought, well, never mind. But the point is that we are grossly outnumbered, and the thing is, I want you to understand this, and I'm going to just kind of unravel this for a moment. I want you to understand this and say it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I know I say this like a broken record, and I have to actually believe this too. I'm preaching to myself here too. Ready? I want you to say this out loud with me. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I know we hear it, and I say it, I preach it, I hear it myself, and somehow every time I see, right, then we're... We can be a little bit squashed. We can be a little frustrated. We can even have our faith kind of deflate like a balloon. (laughs) Lord, it's just impossible. There's just so much against you. The whole system, the whole world is against you. There's so few of us. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, bring two bowls. 
Amen. We're going to have a sacrifice. You know what? We're going to deal with some things. It says, bring two bowls, verse 23. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish, and they can cut it into pieces, and we know what happens, right? And, they, and they, you're not allowed to set fire to it. I'll prepare the bowl, and we're going to get the wood, and don't set fire to it. Verse 24, then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. What we must do right now is not worry about their God, but we must begin to call on our God. We know that they're worshiping their God. Do you know that the Baal God, <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's funny, I'm laughing in shock, but there are places in this nation today, present tense, that they have re-erected this Baal-type God. I mean, you can go, there's not even secret society stuff anymore. There's videos. I mean, it, it became mainstream news. Actually, the guy Alex Jones, which everybody knows is a freak, he actually got famous because he broke into uh, the secret society. Uh, doesn't even matter its name. But he filmed the whole thing, and they had this giant eagle-type, you know, what's it? Bilderberg. Yeah, Bilderberg event. And he filmed it. That's actually how he got famous. You know, we think, oh, that's all conspiracy. But then once the film came out, it was undeniable that these guys literally got around. They put, like, sheet-type clothing on and were worshiping this monster, like, uh, you know, it's like 40 feet tall-ish and idol-type god. We know that that's happening, and their god is blessing them in this earth with earthly blessings and favor. We need to not... We, need, we are aware, just as Elijah's aware. But we now, we're going to call on the Lord. We need to call on the name of the Lord. We are fully aware that you are worshiping. And, and you know what? He's, he doesn't tell them, don't worship your God. Go ahead. If that's the decision you have made, I don't hate you, right? Come on, we're, let's just let's fast forward. We have Christ. I don't hate you. I love you. And in fact, if you will turn, you can have the same life I have in Christ. But if that's what you want to do, that's what you're going to do. I'm not even going to deal. I'm not going to come over there and micromanage your worship and try to get in between your worship. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call in the name of the Lord and you can see who God is. What we need to do is actually call on God so that the other side can see him once and for all. Amen. The problem is, who has heard someone in the world say this? Why would I become a Christian? What is there? What is it? What do you have? What is in your life that would make me want to become a Christian? Now, part of that, you just need to blow off part of that because it's always going to be, there's always going to be evil. There's a depth in Christ that we have that they're not even going to understand anyway, right? So just because they say it doesn't mean that you're not a believer. You're not a good example. But some of it is, there is some truth to that, that they look at the church, they look at Christians, and they don't see God. There is still, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just throw out the baby with the bathwater there. We should step to the side and say, you know, they're seeing the church become so much like all their other social clubs. What's the difference if I go watch a football game on Sunday or if I sit in the church with my iPhone and watch it secretly in the upper pews? <laughs> we can laugh because you know that that's true. 
it's time for us to call on the name of the Lord God. Amen. And the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. For there are many of you, and you choose one of the bowls. And I love the story. Elijah was a funny guy because it says they began to dance around, and they're doing all their stuff, and uh, answer us. And finally, uh, verse 27 says, because there was no reply, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or is relieving himself. And yes, those words mean exactly what they mean. He says, maybe, you're, maybe your God's in the bathroom. God's a funny God. I love God's word. Isn't God's word still relevant today? Come on, they, people say God's word is archaic. That's funny to me. Maybe he's away on a trip. Or he's asleep or needs to be wakened. Verse 29, they raved all afternoon until evening sacrifice, but there was still no sound, no reply, no response. So verse 30 says, Elijah called to the people. Amen. Wow. Who's moved by the, the word, just hearing those words? Elijah called to the people. It's time to put the call out to, this, to the sheep. Listen, you don't need to worry about the Bilderbergs, right? We know that those things are happening and going on. That's a lot of what's going on in the world today is being manipulated and manufactured, and we know that, right? I'm not saying that what we're in isn't real, but there's also so much manipulation, and we're fully aware. We don't need to worry about that. What we need to do is call to the people. It's time to call to the people. The people are these innocent sheep, really, in between. That's why I kind of got off track, and what I was trying to say is that woman on the beach who's filming him, you know, she's just a sheep. She hasn't had someone convince her enough. She's just in between the world and, and the church, and it's like, well, I don't see the difference. I don't know the difference or whatever. You know, she's just stuck there in this limbo place. That's why when Jesus came, he was so irritated because the Pharisees and the Sadducees who should have been helping the sheep, he got so mad with them because he's, he's like, okay, yeah, Satan is real. The demons are real. Jesus deals with them. Jesus has his things that he's doing with them, yes. But the church, what should have been over here, <laughs> they're actually, believe it or not, because the word says it, even though it's hard for us to grasp, is serving Satan. He says to them, I mean, he finally, after lots and lots of arguments between, Jesus doesn't really argue, but he responds with, his, with direct words, but they're arguing with him, and he finally says, you sons of the devil, you brood of vipers, just calls them out for what they are. And why he was so upset is the very people that should have been leading them, he said, you're blind leading the blind. In fact, he says, you know, you should take a millstone and tie it around your neck and go jump in the sea before I deal with you. And so the Lord is looking for us to call to the people, come over here, come here. People are desperate right now, and people are hungry. And I've said this before as a preacher, and I'll say it again. You do not worry about those that reject you. It's almost like this door-to-door -door salesman. <laughs> you get 100 no's, 99 no's and one yes. It's one out of 100 ratio. It's not our job to save people. I know that that's like, whoa, what'd you just say? It's not your job to save them. It's your job to preach the gospel, to bring it to them, to present it to them, to give them every opportunity. 
God does the saving. If they reject you, they're not rejecting you. God said to Moses, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And so our job is to offer it and to all who are willing to hear to give them what God has put in you. And they crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. I thought this was interesting because Elijah restored the old with new. Elijah went back to the old normal with a new normal. (laughs) Elijah said we need to make a new normal out of the old normal. That's the normal. You guys created your own new normal, but your new normal is wrong. We need to go back to the old normal, new. So he repairs it and he restores the altar of the Lord. He restores the worship of God. It's not just that you can come see Baal. You could just come and go and do whatever you want. You could come and and, uh, bring your offerings when it was convenient. In fact, if you wanted to meet a male or female there at the temple, you could do that too. That's what they did there. And so he restores the proper order and the proper altar of the Lord. And it says he took 12 stones, verse 31, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench, and we know the story. And so he begins to to set this altar up, and he piles the wood, and he cuts the pieces, and he he actually says, I want to just soak this thing. I want you to see that this is not some magic trick. This is not just the world, that this is the Lord. And he begins to soak it, and he soaks it again. And then he says, soak it a third time, verse 34. And the water ran around the altar, verse 35, and filled the trench. And at the usual time, verse 36 says, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, which had been what? For a season had been perverted. Everybody say perverted. For a time... God's church had fallen into a perversion and had come into a mixture and it brought a judgment, but God had restored some things here in the moment and he's actually about to make a new, new normal. (laughs) New, new bag. That's an inside joke, sorry. It's a Disney show. Put my new, new bag in my old, old bag. One of those shows, you know, your kids watch Disney shows over and over and over and over again. Their lines get in your head. And so he begins to say, he says, At the usual time for the offering sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God. And this is it. You know, his prayer is so simple. Elijah prays a simple, simple prayer. And this is the prayer that we must pray now. We don't need to micromanage God's fashion or God's way, because I love this. You know what it says? Prove that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant. And it says also, prove I have done all this at your command. Elijah had learned not just so when he prayed this, he could pray this so confidently because Elijah 
This was the time of the Lord. He didn't try to get ahead of God. He wasn't trying to make something happen. He had learned to rely on God and trust in God. We already learned in chapter 17 that one day the brook dried up, which means that God had taught him that when I'm ready for you to move, I'll show you. And he had learned to trust God, amen, and moved with God. And now the word says, go and I want you to deal with Ahab. The time has come, amen. And I'm, I'm praying and even just believing the Lord that he's going to say this soon to us, but soon is relative, so I don't, don't put a date on it. But that the Lord is going to show that he is God again because there's a certain people in the earth. Come on, this nation is not filled with just this church. There are churches just like this across this nation. And even though Hollywood is worshiping a modern Baal, and even though the entire system, the whole news system, the political system is corrupt, it's swamp monsters as we know, even though that whole thing is corrupt, there are people just like us across this nation that have continued to seek God, continue to trust God, continue to believe God, and there is a time that he sustains you with uh, water at the brook and with the, uh, the, the widow of Zarephath, and then there's a time where the Lord says, because you've trusted me and you've leaned on me and you've learned to be my people, and it's not about you, but it's about me, now the time has come for you to go and stand and deal with the things in this nation, and I pray it out by the power of the Holy Spirit, this, that God is going to prove that he is God. Amen. One way or another, even if it's martyrdom, it will be proof that God is God. Amen. No one wants to say that. No one wants to amen me for that. But this is the reality. We will stand for the Lord. I mean, we go through the whole word. We got Daniel Right, we got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same thing. Right, we got, we got the apostles. They said, listen, you're not allowed to preach anymore. And they said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll make a deal with you. How about we keep preaching and you try to stop us? <laughs> and if you do, then we'll deal with that then. But we're not stopping to preach. We're not stopping the truth. Amen. So it says... He says, answer me so these people will know that you. Answer me not so that, you know, Lord, do something miraculous so we could get more people in here. Then we could get more money. Then we could actually do some cooler stuff, build a bigger building, et cetera, et cetera. Then maybe we'll even be able to license Starbucks in our entryway. Answer me so these people will know that you, oh, Lord, are God. And that you've brought them back to yourself, not to this church, but to yourself. And the Bible says, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down. That was a prayer the Lord says, I'll answer that prayer. When the church begins to say, just glorify me. Once the church just says, we just want to glorify God. I honestly, I, I'm not opposed to denominations the idea of a denomination that they broke away because, because a group of people gets off and they says we can't be apart because you are, you're mixing in with the world. But I think God is opposed to so many denominational flags because the world just looks and says, okay, if I did become a Christian, which one would I become? They're so confused, right? Amen. 
And it's time that we just put the cross back up again. You know, cross is, there's a lot of comedians that are make, doing a lot of fun. I mean, we have an interesting name here. But churches started changing their names, took all the crosses down, took out all the stained glass because we want to be more pleasing to the world. We became movie theaters. I don't care if the lights are down. Some people say they can worship more with the lights down. I don't care if the lights are on. You want to pump smoke machines out here? I don't care. It's not going to stop me from worshiping. But if we're going to try to do those things so we could mimic a rock concert, we have gotten off. Is the glory of God that hard to attain that we have to try to become like a rock concert? It's not the thing. God's not like, oh, man, I'm so offended that you have a smoke machine. That's not the problem. The problem is he's offended at it because they think that that's what the people need because the real glory cloud, I'm not trying to get super spiritual here, but there is an actual cloud of God's glory in my Bible. I'm not talking about even one that people have said they've seen or described, whether you believe it or not. I'm talking about in my Bible, there was a cloud of God's glory. And we can't get it to happen because we're too concerned with this world and, it's, and what it thinks of God so that we have to create fake glory clouds. Wow. And the Bible says immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. See, God's like, you know what? I'm going to do something new. This is actually a preview to God doing a new thing in Christ. God's doing a new normal. He's like, we've got to restore to the old normal before I can do a new normal. You've got to get back to the things of old, and I'm going to do something new. But you know, it's the people that they began to seek God. See, that those that turn to God, you can go to every revival across history. They began to do the simple things. Before God did something new, they'd be back to the altar and just got before him and said, you're God. I just want one thing. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to prove to the world the things I can do through, through you. <laughs> That's the way they say it. But I just want you to be God. And then God does something brand new. He says he burns it all up. He even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out. This is the whole point the lord he is god yes the lord is god we must not be satisfied with the status quo until we see god show himself himself through us we must keep praying and keep doing what god has asked us to do we must never ever fall into the trap of trying to create a comfortable place of worship, even though we can have natural comforts. It's not what I'm talking about, right? We got that today. We must not fall into the trap of trying to bring the world system in, right? That's what the whole Baal Jezebel system is. It was trying to mix together the surrounding beliefs with the beliefs of the Lord. And the thing is, every time you do that, Maybe for a time it's happy and peaceful, but you give it time and it will become what it became right here in his word. And it's time that we call on God for God and we are not satisfied. I'm not talking about trying to get a move in some particular way that you think it should be or look, but that God shows up himself and does something miraculous by his own hand that we are literally just conduits we are carriers of his glory, but it, it's when, I love the story, I think it's Seymour, who put the paper bag on his head? William Seymour said he just got obsessed with praying for the revival there in Azusa, 
And he said, he puts a paper bag on his head because he's like, I don't want them to look at me. I just want them to look at you, God. So then it says, Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. See, you can't deal with the world until God shows up. We're trying to deal with the world without God. And then it just looks like the guy walking down the beach with a sign. You look stupid. I'm sorry. That's just not the way to do it. Who's heard the stories? How many stories of guys just sitting on trains that had the Spirit of the Lord, right? And somebody just falls at their feet, right? All these stories, they just fall at their feet and like, what is it? What do you have? I must be saved. We need to carry the Lord like that. Amen. And we're going to seek the Lord. Amen. We're going to seek it the, the, for the Lord to do a mighty work in us and through us. We are not going to be satisfied until God himself shows up. Amen. And finally, seized them all. Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley, and he killed them there, dealt with every single one. The Lord is going to deal with those things. But first, the Lord is dealing with us. First, the Lord is restoring some things, and he's getting some things back into order. That's really what this time has been. We said it last year, and it was interesting, because, because of COVID and the church not shutting down, we actually noticed as a, uh, the whole world, that much of the church retreated because the building was gone. And it was something that the Lord had put in our hearts for like the last 20 years, that it's not a building, it's Him. But it's so hard to articulate and understand. But then it was a physical manifestation, really. It really showed where the heart is. But you know what? The Lord is calling. It doesn't matter if they have come back to a building or not. I'm not condemning anyone, amen, right? You guys aren't, don't think I am. We're calling out right now to the Lord, and wherever they are, whoever they are, if they have come back to church buildings or not, there is a people that is still hungry for God, and they're calling on God, and we might still be in the famine, the dry time for a little while, but we're going to believe that God himself, I prayed it last year, I said, Lord, I know for a fact you are not going to let them get away with saying things like, God didn't do this, we did. Do you guys know that statement? That's our New York governor for you. We didn't, he said, God didn't do this. We did to save New York. And I just said, Lord, I know your word. You're going to get your glory. One way or another, I don't pray or wish any evil. I just know that the Lord is going to get his glory. Amen. And we're going to stand in the gap for him, stand in the gap for this state. Right? We don't want this state to suffer fate because of that statement. So we just keep praying for grace and mercy. And Lord, I thank you. We just pray right now. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you have made us carriers of your glory. Lord, I thank you, the Holy Spirit that hovered above the waters. Gosh, Lord God, you're so big. You're so unbelievable. Is in us. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that we would be unashamed to let you out that we would be unashamed to just be believers that actually believe in God's word, as crazy as that is, to believe this old book is still real and that you are still alive today and it is still just as relevant today as it was when you penned it down before time began. God, I pray that we would have a revelation today, an encounter with you, God, that we would be revived in our hearts to stand for you 
and to, Lord God, run the race to the very end, unashamed of Jesus Christ and who you really are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.